One of my first memorable experiences on the river was um, with a local architect who had been very involved with Folar and others on Lewis McAdams in advocating for reconception of the river. And he said, let me show you some of the places I love. And he took me down that Sixth Street tunnel. He was driving a little convertible. You know, the wind was blowing and it was a beautiful Southern California day. And we went down that tunnel in his little convertible, which was totally illegal, but we got to the bottom and we got up, we started walking up the concrete channel and there was a gentleman down there who had been living in one of the uh, storm drain outlets. And so he came running over to us and he said, this is one of the most beautiful days on the river and I'm standing in the middle of a concrete line channel with rail on both sides. He said to us, look, it's quiet. Which he was right. You get down into the riverbed and You've been in the midst of a, of a dense, active, noisy city, and you get down to the riverbed, and it was beautifully quiet. The low flow channel was flowing. There were birds in the low flow channel. He pointed out the birds to us. And then he pointed out the drainage, the outlet to the drainage channel that he lived in. He said, yeah, you know, that's, that's where I've been sleeping. And he said, it's, it's very private. It was a very memorable moment to have someone who really had made it theirs for basic needs, but he was describing to us an environment that where he saw a lot of beauty. The concrete isn't necessarily ugly. It's a very distinct environment, and it could be changed or altered or amended to be quite beautiful. That was an important day for me, and it was the beginning of an odyssey of involvement that's been both bureaucratic and also more artistic, just thinking about little insertions, ways to get people to see the river differently, and also a passion, a love, a love for being involved with something that could, in the long run, be a big change. My name is Deborah Weintraub. I grew up around the world, really. I'm the daughter of an American diplomat. The longest I've ever lived in any one place is now, having lived in Los Angeles. I came here about 29 years ago, leaving New York with a one-year-old, thinking that it would be easier to raise children in this context. I've worked for the city of Los Angeles for now about 17 and a half years. I'm an architect by training, and my work with the City of Los Angeles has been with an organization called the Bureau of Engineering. We do projects for the city that are both above ground and below ground. We build the sewer system, we build the stormwater system. Um, as an architect, I tend to focus on the above ground projects, so we, I do a lot of parks and city buildings, city facilities. I've focused for most of my career with this city on river issues, first being involved with the development of a master plan for the river, which city council 
passed in 2007. It's hard to believe it's been that many years ago. It's still a planning document that I refer to. It's still, since council and mayor approved it, it still carries weight politically as policy. I'm a city official, but I'm not a political official. Um, I'm, in all of its glory, a bureaucrat. Um, I was hired to be a bureaucrat. And I say that with pride because the role that I play in the uh, city structure is I help others realize projects that they want to get done. I've seen a couple of mayors come and go. I've seen various council members come and go. City attorneys, you know, we bridge the elected officials and we are kind of the professional staff that help our policymakers get things done. That's not to say that we don't have influence on the nature of the projects. Um, I came to the city with a background, a, a pretty deep background in sustainability and in energy efficiency and in environmentally responsive design and construction. And I think I was hired a lot because of that background. It was a passion of mine, continues to be a passion of mine. We shouldn't defile the environment in excavating materials for building systems. That buildings can be studied scientifically and function with much greater efficiency than they typically do. So I brought that to the city. I helped the city pass requirements for LEED or Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design certification. The other passion I've had is trying to bring a much stronger and committed sense of design to city projects. Often when we're asked to do things, we have a very tight budget and we have a pretty strict timeline. And I think those are all kind of restraints that are opportunities for thinking creatively. I work in an engineering organization where the vocabulary of design is not that common. So I often have felt like in a way I'm an interpreter bringing design language, design thinking to an organization that's really, as an engineering-focused organization, really about solving problems and getting things done. And we build for the residents of Los Angeles, and we build facilities that the general public uses. They are public institutions that we provide, and they get heavily used. Um, I go back to buildings we finished 10 years ago, and they're beat up. They have provided a service. So it's kind of the more, I'd say, social justice side of what I do that I really appreciate. Working for the city engineer, he suggested way back that we do a master plan for the LA River and said, no one else is doing it, so let's just do it. And I thought, great. You know, I'll get a whole staff to do it. And he said, no, no, you just write the, <laughs> you write the request for proposals and, uh, and we'll do it. So it was very much a personal effort between him and I and then eventually a few other staff people. And then we hired a consultant team and a really um, instructive learning process to see how people either saw the river in a basic sense, didn't see the river, even though it might have been in their backyard, didn't understand the flood control purpose of the river. Certainly many people didn't have a sense of the history of the river. We really stood on the shoulders though of folks who brought the river to local attention like Friends of the Los Angeles River and Lewis McAdams, you know, many years before we showed up who had said, this is a resource, this is a piece of our infrastructure that is 
poorly used, poorly understood, and could provide a kind of connective spine across the river. We've taken a couple of dignitaries on helicopter tours, and you understand the scale of what it is when you get in a helicopter and you start at the headwaters up in the far west valley and you just fly the whole river all the way down to the port of Long Beach and just how significant a piece of infrastructure it is in terms of its scale and the impact on allowing really having allowed the LA to settle really right up to its banks which as a flood control device uh, we couldn't have done without it so that was exciting to me to be involved with helping to rethink something of that scale. I know that when I retire, the work I've done is really just the beginning, that it will be the young folks coming up behind me, and I'm, I'm always trying to recruit new people to come work in this city because we need the next generation. It's going to take multiple generations to really restructure the river so that it serves a broader community and social purpose. So the Arbor Plan is the local colloquial catchphrase that's used for a study that is under the auspices of the Army Corps of Engineers. The Army Corps of Engineers is the organization who, following flooding in the early part of of the 20th century, took it upon themselves to line the river in order to control the flooding. Um, And they maintain the river now and are the primary authority over the river. The county has responsibilities to the county of Los Angeles. So in order to consider changes to the river, to consider where we might be able to take concrete out, where we could widen the river, um, any change to the current structure of the river has to be approved by the Army Corps of Engineers. So we initiated the Arbor Study. Its formal name is um, the Integrated Feasibility Report for Ecosystem Restoration for the LA River. We initiated it with the Corps knowing that we would need their review and approval. If we did a study for a certain piece of the river and the Arbor study looks at about a 10 mile stretch that goes through the soft bottom area through Elysian Valley into the top of downtown. We initiated a study with them. We codified the changes. We did the hydraulics and the hydrology analysis that that would be a mechanism for us to both pursue federal funding down the line and that it would be a kind of uh, overall blessing on the kinds of things we wanted to try to see happen in the river. The Arbor study took about 10 years to complete. I worked on it for the entire 10 years and it was actually approved by Congress just before Obama left office and signed by President Obama. I don't think I understood when I started it was going to be a 10-year effort. I think that might have dissuaded me from taking it on. But it's an important kind of codified guideline for changes to that 10-mile stretch in the river. It had different alternatives in the study, and when we were looking to agree with the Corps about the recommended alternative, the local river supporters here in L.A. 
were very vocal about wanting to see the most expansive version of the study, the most expansive alternative, which was Alternative 20, and that there was a big effort, and that is what did get approved. So to move forward, any changes we propose, we will need core review and approval, and this now becomes a guiding document for that. Our master plan was done as kind of an indication of local objectives for the river, and it became the basis for a lot of the arbor study. So one of the images in that city master plan is an image of the rail along the river on the west side of the river between Spring and Broadway being put on a trestle to allow the land to kind of slope down to the river and and allow access to the river. We did a lot of research of other river revitalization efforts across the U.S. and across the world, and one of the things we came away with was that a lot of river fronts are constrained by infrastructure. In many cities, infrastructure was built along the river because it wasn't prized real estate at the time, and it also, for rivers unlike ours, rivers that really have water in it, it was a way to bring goods and materials in and out. So putting docks, putting rail lines, putting roadways along the river was that connection to trade and industry. Not all of that infrastructure was going to move, so you had to learn to love the rail, and you had to learn to love the power lines, and you had to learn to work with them. So putting the bridge on a trestle and showing an image where the land drops below that means you don't have to relocate the rail, but you can still access the river. So that's the motivation, and it is feasible to do. It's not inexpensive, but it allows both and to happen. The second thing is the idea of terracing. The Army Corps has two mandated objectives as part of their function across the country. One is flood control, and that's why they did a lot of encapsulating rivers all over the country, because that was the method for flood control. And the other, which is a much more recent objective of theirs, our mandate, is habitat restoration. Our study falls under that, habitat restoration. So to bring habitat value back to the river, you need to bring back plants and animals who normally inhabited the river. So we have said, look, we understand that the river has an important flood control function, and we can't just rip out all the concrete unless we are willing to widen the river six times its current width, which, given the real estate that's built up to the edge of it, is really not feasible. And from my perspective, if we can get planting and habitat areas where birds or butterflies might show up, without actually breaking the channel walls, I'm fine with that. I'm more concerned about starting to change the look and feel and the habitat value of the river than I am really about necessarily, we have to break the concrete. It's, it's like, let's bring life back however we can. There's another interesting um, idea that's being floated right now. There's a low flow channel in the river. And during the dry season, uh, the water that's in there is mostly treated wastewater. There's a study going on right now, which is, could we change the nature of that channel to provide habitat for fish even? Could it meander more? Could it be deeper? Could it provide riffles and pools, places where fish might be able to have refuge? 
Maybe even that little change to that low flow channel would begin to provide some habitat value. So we're looking to start in small ways to demonstrate to the Corps and to others we can do this without risking major floods. The river wasn't, its, its current configuration was never done considering people. It was a single purpose channelization to protect the region from what had been very major floods. There was loss of life, there was loss of property. So the whole issue of access for people, safety based on being able to get out has to be rethought. We looked at a river in Spain, which is, in some ways has a lot of similarity to ours, the Rio Besos. At its lower reaches, it's a really wide line channel. And what they did there was they took the bed of the river that had never been accessible to the public. They made really gracious and well-designed access points for people who live all along there. And then they put an alarm system in, which says, hey guys, it's raining up in the mountains. You have to get out of the riverbed. And it's functioned very effectively. There's a lot of ways to deal with both adding capacity and making it comfortable for people to get in and out. The river, I believe, will probably remain what, what I called armored. But armoring doesn't mean a smooth concrete jacket. Armoring could be concrete that's stepped to allow landscaping to grow in it. Armoring could mean reconfigured profile to the river. What we always said was, this was Folar and Lewis McAdams kind of mantra, which is when steelhead trout can return to the river, then we've done our job. I mean, one of the amazing things, when you go to the areas of the river that are soft bottom, the Sepulveda Basin or the Elysian Valley, the bird life that you see there is always remarkable in its beauty and its variety, even with the fact that the landscaping is not native right now and there's a lot of trash in the river. I'm, I'm always impressed that you provide a little bit of water and those birds, they show up. It should both be a kind of nature connection through the city, as well as a public linear park space through the city. And we have another effort underway to complete the bike path in the valley along the river. We've been slowly building the bike path in kind of segments as funding became available. But we have a big push now to try and get that connection done by the Olympics. So we're working in the valley to do that, as well as Metro now has funding to look at how to get a bike path through downtown along the river, a secondary way to get through the city along a green and nature-focused link. So I often think about children, the next generation of children, having a whole different conception of what the river is. And I think that that will be a real measure of the success of everyone who's working on it. If children who 20 years from now want to go somewhere to enjoy themselves say to their parents, let's go walk along the river. Let's ride our bikes down and get a, a ice cream along the river where it becomes more integral to the life of the city. I think about that kid, maybe my grandkid or maybe my great-grandkids seeing the river as a real piece of their of their existence where both both its function as flood control and its potential to serve nature and support nature that lives in our urban environments is realized 
In its current configuration, its flood control role means that when it rains, there's a lot of water that we just flush to the ocean. And so how do we capture and store that water to create more local water sources? We now import our water from huge distances. It's the whole history of Southern California is this water grab from far away. So the other part of restructuring would be to take that water that's flushed down the river right now and to store it in underground aquifers or in areas that are structured really to flood and to hold and to allow the water to slowly to infiltrate this whole idea of a sponge city of rethinking our whole urban environment to allow water to more consistently infiltrate to just reconceive it as an urban asset something distinct for our city for our dry arid climate but our beautiful city which deserves a better river than we have now Mm -hmm.